Hey everyone, this is Shirley Brown, and this is the 10th episode of the Unapologetically You podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the unique voice of every woman and to you living your life without apology. Here you can explore owning and unapologetically bringing your unique voice to your life, your work, your community, and the world. You can listen to all episodes by going to www.unapologeticallyliving.com. Be sure to sign up there to receive all of our future episodes so that you don't miss anything. And you can also find us on iTunes. Um, be sure to like us there, and we'll, uh, you'll also receive notifications from them when there's a new episode. So now, let's get on to today's episode. Welcome to the Unapologetically You podcast with our host, Shirley Brown. Unwavering in her commitment that people live life from what matters most, Shirley brings unique skills from 30 years of transformational conversations and thousands of hours of experience in working with groups and individuals as a coach. She designs programs and offers coaching sessions which skillfully guide people toward the clarification and realization of living life aligned with what truly matters to them. Shirley is a master of transformational conversations. You know, we all live inside of a culture, uh, and in, in that culture, uh, and particularly we're looking at the culture of the United States in this, in this episode, um, and we all experience the culture pressing in on us in certain ways. Uh, as women, we have the experience of perhaps having a difficult time being heard when we're in a boardroom with a bunch of other men. Or even my experience in the last few days going into the paint store and speaking with the, uh, the salesman there, getting kind of half answers versus really fully giving me a full explanation and then this kind of expectation that I would just follow what they say. So I don't know that that's actually mansplaining per se, but I wonder, I really wonder sometimes whether if I were a man, they would be talking to me somewhat differently. So we all, and those men that I was talking to were really very helpful, very kind, and professional men. But there's a way in which our culture dictates how we relate to others, how we relate to people of the opposite sex, how we relate to people who look different than we do, how we relate people to have different uh, ethnic backgrounds, um, people who have different religious beliefs. So there's these automatic cultural um, responses that we have to other people. And in this episode, the five women that we had in our first episode, we're continuing on in this series of collective wisdom. So with um, with these five women, Najian, um, Roya, Kim, Alisi, and Pavna, we're peeling back the onion a bit of that obvious cultural um, way in which we look at each other and the way in which we view each other. And they're speaking at it from their own personal experience of how that's been for them being viewed as they're viewed inside of the culture of the United States. So um, enough said by me. So with that, we're going to jump in today's episode, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, 
when I was preparing today, I was, I was thinking about race and I was thinking about ethnicity, right? And I was like, when my husband and I were talking, he often helps me when I'm thinking through these things. And I'm like, what's the difference? And we couldn't actually, um, we we're trying to figure it out. So I looked it up and it was interesting to me. Um, I put eth- ethnicity versus race. So I just want to read, I'm not going to read the whole thing and what was written on this, um, was uh, one of the universities, a website for one of the universities. Little editor's note here. Um, the definition that I'm about to share came from cliffnotes.com. So the term race, this is how they, what they came to their definition, right? So if you go in the Webster's, it's different. Different places are different. But I thought that this one was particularly interesting. So the term race refers to groups of people who have differences and similarities in biological traits deemed by society to be socially significant, meaning that people treat other people differently because of them. For instance, while differences and similarities in eye color have not been treated as socially significant, differences and similarities in skin color have. So many sociologists indicate that no clear-cut race exists. It's not like there's a race, only assorted because they talked about uh, Asians, um, but then the Asian, so, so let me see, so an example of racial category is Asian with, uh, with its associated facial, uh, col- hair color, and body type features, yet too many exceptions to this sort of racial grouping have been found to make any racial categorizations truly viable. It's kind of like what you were saying, Roya, about, you know, in Iran, there's so many people look so different, so you can't. You know, you can't, you can't just clump them all into one category. So this, this fact has led many sociologists to indicate that no clear-cut races exist. Only assorted physical and genetic variations across the human individuals and groups, across human individuals. So different traits, different ways in which people look. Then racism, then, is prejudice based on socially significant physical features. A racist believes that certain people are superior or inferior to others in light of racial differences. Um, so based, and it's based on physical traits, right? So that was race, race and racism. And then ethnicity refers to a shared, shared cultural practices, perspectives, and distinctions that are set apart, that set apart one group of people from another. That is, ethnicity is a shared cultural heritage. The most common characteristics distinguishing various ethnic groups are ancestry, a sense of history, language, religion, and forms of dress. Ethnic differences are not inherited, they're learned. Most countries today consist of different ethnic groups. Ideally, countries strive for pluralism, where people of all ethnicities and races remain distinct but have social equality. As an example, the United States States is exceptionally diverse with people representing groups from all over the globe, but lacking in true pluralism. So just, I wanted to read that because it's, you know, there's like, there's how you look and then there's how you're related to, like what you were um, pointing to, Najian, of when you put the scarf on, people started to relate to you differently. You know, and um, so I just um, I just wanted to just read that because I think it's an in, it it just kind of brings a little bit of clarity. Anything you guys want to say about that? Anything you want to add or, yeah, um, Pavna? 
So, you know, what Kim said about the external appearance, how she prepared herself or her mother prepared her and, and how she prepares her son. And, you know, um, in Nag- Nagian, uh, I hope I said your name right. I'm sorry. Nagian. Uh, you know, she talked about her scarf. She was perfectly acceptable before she took on this very strong identity. And uh, same in case of Kim, uh, you know, because of her skin color and her looks. And I too sometimes wonder, you know, I happen to be fair as compared to many other Indians, you know. Uh, And again, India is like Iran. We have diverse features and color, skin color and um, including multiple languages and cultural differences, you know, different food. So there is a lot of diversity in India and multiple, multiple, is, multiple religions as well. Yeah. Pavna? Correct. Correct. Yeah? So, you know, for me uh, growing up in India, it was perfectly fine for me to, you know, have Christian friends, Muslim friends, Hindu friends or Sikh friends. Those are the four main religions in India. So, you know, and, Although, I mean, uh, we have all that diversity, but there is uh, a difference. You know, we sense the difference uh, even in India. I mean, right now, uh, you know, there is this wave of Hinduism and people, the Hindus in India are, you know, uh, treating Muslims as different, you know. And I mean, even Muslims in India who've been, you know, raised and, you know, who were born there and have lived there for generations have been, uh, you know, they've occasionally heard other people say that, hey, go back to your country. But that is their country. So, you know, there is this uh, attachment to the outer, uh, you know, um, appearance. And, you know, people do judge others, you know, on how they look. And I sometimes wonder if I have it a little easier because of because I'm fairer as compared to say my daughter who's slightly darker and uh, when she was in school and of course she was very young she was in kindergarten one of her uh, classmates a Caucasian girl she looked at her and said you're brown you're ugly you know Mm. so I so she came home and she told me about it and uh, I'm not sure if I had the right words to you know console her at that point but then you know we do get caught up in all these uh, appearances and the differences and and that somehow you know raises a barrier and we are unable to go I'm not all of us but some of us you know get stuck over there and I and when you said that when people look different from you you did not know how to reach out right yeah so mm-hmm. I think it's all in the mind, uh, you know, how we create yeah. these, build these walls. Wanna, or, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that back because there's something that Nadine said that I want to, when you, when, when I, wanna, I want to go back to about what I was saying, how I was raised. When you said that you go into the grocery store and everyone, you know, you, 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 with your scarf on, everyone's asking questions and political questions and they're like approaching you, right? Uh, or they're being extra nice, like, you know, here's the, you know, like you said the thing about, it, oh, it's the, the Muslim, like the little kid. I loved how you said that. That's what, that's what I 
that's what I have grappled with. So I don't want to drill someone that I've never met. I have questions. I'm curious, but I don't want to drill them. And at the same time, I don't want to be extra nice. Like I know, I know when I'm doing that, like, Oh, you know, and it's, it makes me nauseous when I do that. Right. So how it's, it's interesting for me, the question has been, how do I authentically be with, with you? Or how would I authentically be with anyone that, 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 that uh, fits into that category of that they're different, different enough from me. And I don't understand, I don't understand enough about their world that I could be comfortable to just say, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I've experienced myself that way. And I'm curious about how, how does, I'm curious about authentically being able to step up to anyone and relate to them as another human being, like looking in their eyes and just seeing another human being, regardless of what they look like or what they're, how they're dressed. Yeah. Bhavna, something else? Yeah. I just wanted to add, uh, I think the word is curiosity. You know, mm. um, if you, I mean, how do we make connections by, you know, getting to know each other, right? So mm-hmm. there, there's got to be this curiosity about the other person. And, uh, so, and, you know, I mean, and again, I'm speaking from my own experience um, as an Indian, you know, because uh, we were not very wealthy as a country. And, you know, we were always and we still are very, very curious about the outside world. You know, we always mm-hmm. wanted to know uh, you know, about other countries, especially countries that were developed and were wealthier, yeah. right? So what is success and, you know, found everything fascinating. So so even when I left my country and I traveled around, I've always been very curious to learn the other culture or to learn more about, uh, you know, uh, people living in that country so even uh, here, uh, when I interact with my colleagues, you know, I know a lot more about American culture. You know, I watch the movies, I read the books, the papers. You know more than the Americans do? Sometimes, yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love American politics. So I know a lot about American politics. So for me to relate to an American becomes really easy because if they pick up a topic and you know I can there's always something that I can contribute to that topic right yeah however if I were to start talking about India I notice (laughs) people shutting down after two to three minutes because they are totally unaware you know the walls coming down it's all it's almost like now I'm this other person you know from yeah. a different culture and a different country. And uh, yeah. they don't ask me questions, nor do they read up about India. At the most, they yeah. would mention Mahatma Gandhi that everybody knows, you know. And so I feel the, that the walls are coming down. So I, then I have to go back to being this other person who rather talk about everything American, you know? And then, right. you know, we are yeah. back to being great friends again. Right, so, right, right. Uh, that's been yeah. one of my experience, you know? 
so I think curiosity is the key. You have to be curious about this other person. About well, I think there's something else that you're there's something else that you're that I'm hearing in what you're saying, and I'd be interested in hearing what the the others have to say about this as well. Is um, if in, in, in me listening to each of you speak, I it's there's a there's a there's a culture that you're. Let me see how I can say this. You're you're pointing to a cultural environment in which you live, and you're experiencing the way in which that cultural environment, the people in that cultural environment, are relating to you. And you each have a little bit of a different story about it. It's a little bit a different experience, but there's something that uh, I think that you have as the collective, the collective you uh, have that I can't, I couldn't actually put my finger on. The thread that I hear through each of what you're saying is a thread that points to this is what the culture, the cultural environment of the United States is like. Here's what it's like to live in the United States um, as a, as someone who is you know, I mean, Najian is not a foreigner. Najian is an American born in America. Kim is not a foreigner. She was born uh, and is American. Um, Alisi and Pavna and Roya, you are, you could be considered that you're foreigners and you came here, right? But there's something similar that you're all pointing to with regards to the culture. And well, truthfully, it makes me sad. What, what, I'm, what I'm here, what I'm present to makes me a little bit sad about what the culture is. But also makes me inspired by who you've been in the face of that culture. Each one of you, you each one of you, like the resiliency, the courage, the, uh, the the bringing the curiosity. The you know, there's something about each one of you that's it, it's inspiring. So I'm curious what um, what what you might have to say with regards to what you see and and listening to one another about what you see about the culture. You guys actually are pointing at that cultural environment that you've been um, working, that, that, that has pressed in on you and you've pressed back out on it. You've worked with it. Roya? Um, so I think what you are pointing out is, and this is just based on my experience, is the American culture um, has a fascination, fascination with tokenizing other people so you know someone who is black everyone is like oh my god let's ask all the questions that we have about you know living as a black person someone who wears a headscarf suddenly becomes this like Muslim token of the workplace or school or the community um, I myself I'm the only openly gay person at my workplace and I everyone comes to me as if somehow I have the permission to talk on behalf of all people who don't identify as straight, but identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, whatever it may be. Um, and I don't know why that is the case in the United States. Um, I don't know if it's because of a mm. lack of traveling, a lack of mm. being in touch with other cultures, you know, growing up in Iran, when you watch the news, um, the news 
included news about Iran, about Europe, about the United States, about, you know, it was very inclusive. Yeah. But I feel like maybe in the U.S., the culture is very focused on what is happening here, uh, what is happening, you know, in this small part of the world, in this, you know, grand scheme of things. Um, so when people come across people who look different or have a different lifestyle, yeah. um, suddenly it's like, wow, let's ask all the questions, which is fine. I, um, I am more than happy to answer any questions about, you know, my experience as, you know, an Iranian, someone who's gay. But I think the important um, component of that is people have to be comfortable not knowing the answer to everything. So, you know, you were earlier, you mentioned, you know, how do you approach people and, you know, ask those questions? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the key is to be curious and also to be comfortable not knowing, you know, and just mm-hmm. asking those questions you know, mm-hmm. as an Iranian, what was your experience like moving to the U.S. Mm-hmm. instead of, you know, oh, I read online that all Iranians come to the U.S. and do this and that. This idea that Roya is bringing to us about being curious and not knowing. When I first heard her say it, I didn't. It didn't strike me, and then as I was working through this material to edit this episode, it really hit me that the that how often do we approach people that we don't know, uh, people that look different, people that might dress differently than us. And as soon as we see them, we latch on to what we know, what we know about them. And it's just such an automatic occurrence. You see someone walking down the street um, who's wearing uh, a headscarf, and you know she's Muslim, and bam, automatically something sets into place that what you know about that person um, based on information that you've gotten. Or you see um, a black man, six foot five, walking towards you, big, strong walking towards you and there's bam, right there automatically, whatever that is that you already know automatically that becomes who that person is for you. So I just really think what uh, Roya was pointing to here is really, really brilliant and something so subtly powerful and automatic in each and every one of us that if we could do as she's saying and Um, allow ourselves to become comfortable with not knowing when we approach people and notice where it is that the, oh, I already know who you are, pops into place and then let go of it and then be present again, what our world would be like. Let's continue on. You know, I, yeah, um, I think, I think part of what you're, part of the difficulty i'm just listening to what you're saying in the the insular nature of our news what we get for news i mean i actually have i actually have bbc and i have mm-hmm. i i listen to a variety i listen to fox news and i listen to the liberal and i listen to the conservative and i listen to mm-hmm. the world i go down one up to the other and you know i just it's like my 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 process but in general i think most americans listen to one station right 
and they get that one. Uh, and if you listen to MSNBC, all you'll get is just that thing that's going to be said over and over and over again. And then you go to CNN, they're saying the same thing MSNBC saying. Then if you go to Fox, they're going to say something else. And that's all they're going to say is that one thing. But they don't talk about anything else going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So, right. so, yeah. so I think that perhaps there's this innate curiosity that Americans have, but they, they're not getting the information. So there's an, in, I'm just curious. It's like maybe there's this innate curiosity that, that's there, but it's not being satiated. It's actually being kind of jumbed up with stuff that <clears throat> is the political whatever, right? Najian, do you want to say something there? I want to highlight something that Roya said, though. It's, it's about getting to know me and mm. my experience. Yes. If, I will be honest with you. I'm one of those Americans who does not read the international news. I could not tell you what is happening anywhere in the world. I couldn't. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to flip it on myself. So if someone said to me, I read the entire Quran. I know everything about your religion. I studied it. That's great. Good for you. That doesn't mean you know me. That doesn't mean you understand me. If I read the Bible, does that mean that I understand every Christian in the world? No. Does it even as an American mean I understand every Christian in the United States? No, it doesn't. So is this curiosity about exploring the world or politics or aspects of culture, or is it about you getting to know me? Yeah. Because those are two different things. One, you can get from an encyclopedia in the news. The other, you would have to actually talk to me about my experience. But then Mm -hmm. that's actually a conversation about me and my experience, not that of every single Muslim American um, or Muslim in the world or however you want to qualify that. What she just said is worth stopping the recording, rewinding it, and re-listening. Such a beautiful statement, so beautifully and eloquently spoken. Just want to thank Najian for her wisdom there. Kim? You know, I was going to say, um, I do agree that because I think my attitude and my openness um, at my job and my community with my son, with his school, presents people with the opportunity to come to me and ask questions. But I think I do feel very comfortable saying, I don't know. You know, I I can qualify an answer based upon what I do, what I've taught my child, um, the life that I've lived, the way I was raised, but I can't speak for everybody. And I, I think I'm very okay with saying I don't have the answer for everybody because the way you grow up, the things that you experience dictate some of your answers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. And it also dictates what's highlighted in the news. It dictates what's put in the newspaper. And if you believe everything, I mean, that I think this is something I do try and communicate. If you believe everything that is on the news and everything that's in the newspaper um, there are some groups of people that you probably wouldn't like. But if you truly went and got the statistics and looked at the raw data, you would be surprised to understand some of the half-truths that are presented consistently enough to make um, people believe that a certain group of people act in one way or the other collectively. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I try to help people to understand. Go get the facts. 
really go and try and look at the facts yeah. and understand what's happening. I can give you only my perspective. And that's all that I have to offer you and or maybe some opportunities to go and, you know, help you get some research or some information. But I can't speak for all African-American women. I can't speak for all, you know, parents that raise kids. I only had one son and I can tell you every kid is different, you know, and with that said, then every kid is going to respond differently and every parent has to reach that child at a different level. So, you know, I don't want to answer for everybody, but Mm -hmm. I will say it's how open you allow yourself to be when people come to you and ask questions. I took an Uber from the airport and the guy that was the driver had a fascinating story coming from the Middle East. And he said he was heading back there. But I mean, the story was just fascinating about what he said was his culture, where he was going, about Mm -hmm. Dubai, about how he got married and his bride was chosen for him, how his family lives together, what they do, how they do. I mean, it was an interesting story. It was something I didn't know, but I don't assume that everybody that has ever come from the Middle East that came to the United States, that's his story. And it was interesting and it could have even not been true, but it sounded good on the 30 minute ride, honestly, you know, so (laughs) I'll take it for what it was worth. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. And with that, we end our episode for today. I really want to thank my guests for um, being part of the podcast. That's Roya, Najian, Kim, Alisi, and Pavna. We haven't heard yet from Alisi in this series. She'll be in our next episode for sure. And I uh, really, for each of them, I want to continually express my gratitude for their time and for their brilliance and for the contribution to this really profound and touching um, podcast episode. I hope that it reached you and touched you the way it did me. And um, as I've said before, you can find us on iTunes under Unapologetically You with Shirley Brown. You can also find us on our website, www.unapologeticallyliving.com. And remember, if there's a you guys, as you're listening to these episodes and there's something that pops to mind to you, like, ah, we should talk to this person or we should have that person and bring them into these conversations, please, please, please contact me. Let me know that. I'm um, really, really interested in having as many voices uh, on these episodes and represented um, in the conversations as possible. So with that, I leave you today unapologetically, Shirley. This podcast is dedicated to you, unapologetically living life with balance, vision, and intentional action. Here you can explore owning your unique voice and unapologetically bringing that voice to your life, your work, your community, and the world.